Welcome to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Crew, a mom to twin girls, small town family doctor, and an anxiety and mindset coach for moms and mompreneurs. Let's face it, motherhood is an adventure, and it can be all-consuming if we let it. I believe that too often we lose ourselves when we become mothers, and our lives run us rather than us running our lives. This podcast is designed for the multi-passionate but overwhelmed mom who is ready to master her mindset, quiet the chaos, and create the life and business of her dreams without sacrificing what's important to her. Each week on this show, I'll bring expert tips, guest interviews, and a healthy dose of honesty to help you finally step back into your power and create the life you've always wanted. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I am going to be chatting with Tani Morgan, who is a spiritual empowerment coach, business professor at the SWAT Institute, which you'll have to fill me in on a yoga teacher, and the founder of TannyMorgan.com. Tanny has built multiple successful businesses that impact thousands of women every year. Combining her business degree, her management experience in sales, customer service, and advertising with her powerful intuition and spiritual practice, she now empowers women to discover their true purpose and feel confident in their unique gifts so they can build a soul-inspired business to create both income for their family and impact in their community. Tani, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. We were speaking just a bit before we hit record about my desire to bring on guests who can share more of a spiritual and energetic perspective with my audience because that's not something I've explored a ton. And so I know when we connected through Michelle Knight, who's also been a guest on the podcast, um, I knew that you would be just the right person to have on with me. And so would you be able to just let us know a little bit about you, maybe tell us a bit of your story, and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm excited to share my perspective of spirituality and my perspective on the energetics of the world that we live in. Um, my journey really started many, many years ago. I was in my early 20s and I had a very deep depression where I was suicidal daily. Um, I didn't actually attempt suicide, thank goodness, but it was, you know, a, a time in my life where I was felt worthless and hopeless and that there was something wrong with me. And I finally got to the point where my mind shut down. When someone brought me a paper off the fax machine way back then, I couldn't tell them where it needed to go. I could see the words and my mind, my brain did not compute them. I could see words. I had no idea what they said. That scared me. I finally asked for help, reached out, asked for help. I went into a depression therapy group program actually that taught me that my thoughts affect my emotions and my emotions affect my actions and that it's a cycle because then that action affects the thoughts that I have. And this was life changing for me. I didn't even realize up until this point that I could choose my thoughts. So when I figured out I could start choosing positive thoughts, which would affect how I felt about myself and how I felt energetically in terms of wanting to get up and do things or go out and do things. And then if I did or didn't do those actions, how that would affect my thoughts. This is actually how I was able to cure myself from depression by, by stopping my negative thoughts and choosing positive ones instead. 
So once I had technically um, cured myself from depression, I continued on my life following the story, the formula that most of us are taught when we're young is that you finish school, you get a good job, you find your partner, you buy a house, you settle down, you have some kids, and then you live happily ever after. So I did all those things. And then I got to this point where we had just moved into this beautiful property that we love. I have these wonderful, two beautiful, wonderful children, a loving, supportive husband, and I still wasn't happy. And I started to dive into what could make me happy. And this really started my whole journey, I, my, my, really my spiritual growth journey. I had been doing a little bit of meditating um, through the depression period, and I was still doing little bits here and there, but I wasn't tuning into my intuition. I didn't know about, you know, the whole world being made out of energy and that we are part of that and that we have that option to influence it. But basically, I decided to just choose myself over my family for a little bit because I was definitely one of those moms that when I first had the kids, I believed that to be a good mom, I had to sacrifice myself. I had to sacrifice my own desires and I had to put them first. And so... When I was realizing that I wasn't happy, that was a huge part of it, was that I had let my own desires and wishes go. And so I started tuning into my intuition. And that guided me to take my yoga teacher training. And then as I finished that and was determined that I was going to make a business out of this, this yoga teacher training that I took, I learned about the online coaching world. And something just kept calling me. I, I kept seeing these signs and these, these, these little signals that you know, I should be a coach. And finally, someone before I had even decided or put it out there to anyone, I was still just mulling it around in my brain. Someone reached out to me and said, Hey, can you help me grow my business? And I was like, I kind of looked up at the sky and I said, Okay, I get it. I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> and so that's been my journey. And, and so now I help women both overcome emotional struggles that they're having so that are holding them back from really succeeding in their business. And then I also help them really tap into their higher purpose and their divine inner being so that they can build a soul aligned business and provide both income and impact in the world. So, yeah. I feel like you just <laughs> sang the song of my people with that whole story. Like I feel like that story you just told has so many parallels to my own journey a lot of the audience and who I work with and who listens to this podcast, who I think that they will relate to that story as well. And the whole mission of Mind Over Motherhood, right? Even that discovery of, um, you know, essentially the cognitive behavioral therapy triangle, right? Which is what I talk about. That's why it's called Mind Over Motherhood. It's, it's you know, that moment when you realize that you actually have more agency than you thought you did in creating your own experience by becoming aware of how your thoughts impact your feelings and then your behaviors, you know, and that you can use that in both ways right you can use your behaviors to also impact your thoughts and all that super awesome stuff that there's still very many people who don't know enough about right they don't know that and then you feel very not passive but like kind of a, a victimized essentially like you don't you don't know how to change your experience because you don't know these things you don't have the tools and so I think that the work that you're doing is so so important and then even when you spoke about you know that path that you walked that a lot of us walk I think there's so many of us that can probably feel that same I mean that's essentially what I wrote the chapter in the upcoming book that I'm being published in um, in September is, is all about how you know my motherhood experience kind of really brought into stark focus like was I caught was I walking the path that was making me the most happy and we were doing the same things you did right like get a good job get married have kids and then be like well this is it right we're supposed to be happy now and and if you are happy with those things that's fantastic too right but that 
um, that it is more common, I think, than most women think to get to the, the finish line, you know, for lack of a better description, and to kind of feel like there's maybe something else. And I'm literally like, that was the birth story of this podcast. So thank you for sharing that story. I think it's so relatable, so inspiring to hear that, you know, what you made of that journey and how helpful it has been for you. So talk to me a little bit about this term, emotional empowerment. And I wonder now hearing your story, is that related to kind of like this triangle that we spoke about? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So interesting, it came in in a different place. So this was uh, along my story, I was already starting to become a coach. And I feel like I was divinely led to the SWAT Institute, which is called Simply Woman Accredited Training. So it's designed by a woman named Crystal Andrus Morissette. And it is solely for women, building coaches for women. So it's women coaching women, basically. She teaches uh, empowerment spectrum that is based on Dr. David Hawking's Power Versus Force book. And so what it is, is it's a, a scale of the emotional, sorry, of the vibration of emotions. So the emotional vibrational wow. scale. Interesting. So at the bottom, emotions like uh, shame and guilt and apathy resonate very low. And he put numbers to them. So you'd say around, you know, 20 for shame and 30 for grief. And then you can move up this emotional chart all the way up to joy, peace, love, and even enlightenment. Emotional empowerment is knowing, it's having that awareness of where you're at, which emotion are you resonating in, in the, you know, the most of the time, and what can you do to step up that ladder to bring yourself up to a higher vibrational emotion. So it can be really powerful in the sense because if you are resonating in, let's say, shame, which means there's something wrong with me. And unfortunately, in the society today, a lot of women have this core belief that there's something wrong with them. That can feel very heavy and low and it can drain your energy. Whereas if you are feeling, you can think about this, where you're really happy or you're totally in love, it's almost like you have endless energy and you can just keep going and working and you probably don't even need food and you barely need sleep. And so it's a really powerful method to get unstuck when we're feeling stuck. That is super interesting. It reminds me, I think it was in... Um, Gabrielle Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back. I feel like she speaks about an emotional scale of that. It may be the same one. And, um, or maybe that wasn't the book, but either way, I'll have to write that in the show notes, the book that I'm thinking of, but, but it was the same kind of concept. And she spoke about how even in children and that if you can help a child identify, you know, the level of emotion they're at, and then you can kind of help them shift up, you know, even it's not probably into a positive emotion immediately. It's that this like, it's like a gradation of, of emotions between, you know, very low and very high. And if you can move from like shame to guilt or, you know, I don't know exactly what the scale is, but you know, and then guilt, right. And then guilt to sadness and then sadness to anger, however it goes, right? You just shift, you can kind of like dial yourself back up again. So what are some of the strategies then that you use to help clients kind of identify where they're at for one? Because I think a lot of people are lacking the emotional intelligence to be able to actually identify like what's the, what, what am I feeling, right? Most women are pretty good at it, but I think we tend to characterize our emotions kind of black and white, like you're angry or happy or you're sad or, you know, happy, you know, they're, they're kind of black and white when there's all these different shades. So one, how do you help clients identify where they're at? And two, what are some strategies that you recommend to kind of help them shift up? 
So mostly helping them identify would be when I'm actually in a coaching session with them. And then again, it comes from some of those things, words they use, right? So one of the things is if they are feeling stuck, you know what I mean? That they're often in apathy or victimhood, like you mentioned, right? If they're feeling um, like there's never enough time and they're always really busy and they're doing stuff all the time and they can't fit things in and they're kind of speedy, they're likely in uh, guilt, because guilt is I've done something wrong and I need to do to be valuable. Right. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are some that are, you know, and, and, and sometimes they don't know. And that's why it's really important to have someone who can see from the outside what they can't see. Right. Um, I find one emotion that women often don't realize they have is anger because mm -hmm. we as a society have been taught or this society has taught women that it's not okay to be angry. If mm -hmm. you're angry, you're a bitch. If you're angry, you're PMSing. Sorry, I don't know if I was allowed it's to say fine. that. No, it's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? If, if you're angry, oh, look at that angry woman over there. What's wrong with her? Like, it's not okay to be an angry woman in our society. Right. So women learn at a very young age to suppress that anger and often will instead say, well, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling stuck or you know, I'm feeling these other things. They don't even recognize it because the way society has talked about anger with mm -hmm. women. We've been conditioned away from identifying anger and embracing it and seeing that it actually has a really important role in telling us something a lot of the time, it, like that it's good to be angry sometimes, right? And even when, like, let's say you're actually been hurt, because anger is usually a sig signal that you've been hurt, or a lot of the times it can be that, right? You can still, if you're aware of that anger, you can still use that anger and kind of turn it into jet fuel to fuel your momentum forward instead of letting it become a detrimental force against you. Mm -hmm. What about um, resentment? Because I'm sure you work with women and I know I work with women who struggle to set appropriate interpersonal boundaries, struggle with assertive communication. Because I think as, as a group, women have been, like we've talked about, socially conditioned to keep the peace, go along with everybody, right? Like too often, I think passivity and anxiety are like literally just fuel for each other's fires. Um, so talk to me a little bit about resentment and your, your uh, I guess, opinions on how that plays a role and, in women's lives and how you see it show up for clients. Well, I find resentment usually comes from anger because they usually haven't set the appropriate boundaries or like you mentioned, they're not able to communicate in a way to have their needs met, right? So if they can't communicate in a way that says, hey, I need more love and attention right now and they're not getting that, they get angry, but they're not allowed to really be angry. And, and, and I actually saw this in my relationship in the past before my, my husband's done a lot of growing now, but you know, he used to get frustrated at me for being angry. You know what I mean? It was almost like gaslighting in a sense. He'd be like, I have to deal with this, right? We're not allowed right. to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> so with the resentment, you know what I mean? It really is about digging down to, you know, what are you upset about and how can we change that? And then I teach communication skills, right? Mm -hmm. How do we communicate in an assertive but kind way? Because the communication scale that we use is, you know, passive aggressive, and then you get to aggressive. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can make, or sorry, it's first passive yeah. then passive aggressive, then aggressive. Right. And then maybe you can get to assertive mm -hmm. with kindness. So that's, that's my solution really is, is teaching communication and then releasing that anger. So identifying where that anger is coming from, journaling about it, or I often recommend writing a letter to the person that you're angry to, although not sending the letter. 
-hmm. So just writing it out, getting all of those feelings out, um, noticing where you feel in your body. And once you feel kind of, in my experience, once you feel drained, you know that a lot of that energy is out. And then you can start refilling yourself up with positive energy. So doing the, you know, the self-care or the things that set your soul, you know, on fire, that warm mm -hmm. your heart, that just those things you, you miss um, or you lose time doing. Mm -hmm. I love sense. this whole conversation. It makes total <laughs> sense. And we, we have a lot of parallels in, I think, how we work with women because I think just coming from slightly different perspectives, but, but very, very, very similar, right? We're all teaching the same similar concepts and a lot of it is empowerment, right? It's a lot of confidence building. And, and I find a lot of my clients and maybe you find as well that they can learn the assertiveness skills, but it's actually, they're terrified to use them because of how deep that social conditioning is that they're afraid somebody's going to get mad at them or what are they going to think? And, and there's just this de deep kind of, whether it's a lack of self-confidence or a lack of self-worth, right? And that their opinions are not valid. And, and you mentioned, you know, that advocating for more love and attention and sometimes Sometimes women even have challenge advocating for less, right? Needing space and setting yeah. boundaries around, you know, your self-care time and your personal care time because they actually just are lacking that deep sense of like, I deserve and it is important for me to have time to myself, right? So, so important. I think that is so, such an important thing to talk about. One thing that I wanted to talk about is what I'm seeing now is like, we don't really know how to process our emotions very well, or we didn't, we are, we're not teaching that. Most of us are not teaching that to our kids, right? You are, I am probably now, right? But most children, their emotions are very rarely validated and they're very often shamed, mm. right? Or told they're wrong. And especially with little girls, oh, don't cry, little girl, you know, smile. Oh, it's okay. You don't feel uncomfortable. Go give that person, you go give your uncle a hug, right? Yeah. Oh, smile, you know, don't mm -hmm. cry. You know, mm -hmm. our emotions are, don't be like that. Be a tough cookie, all the things. And mm -hmm. kids, they need to learn this. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> they need to learn this. And I've seen such a massive um, difference in my own children have after learning this and simply by validating simply yeah. by saying I know you can't have the ice cream right now I would be mad too that is frustrating yeah but, right sometimes you don't have to solve change the answer you just need to validate what they're feeling and they just feel like oh and I think that's going to be huge for moving forward into the Future. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And you're right. I've worked, I work really hard with my kids. I mean, as hard as I can without wanting to kill them sometimes, like all mothers do. <laughs> right. Um, and especially because we have two very different girls, they're twins and they're three and a half, but we have two very different girls. And one of them, I hesitate to use the word dramatic, but holy goodness, like she's the most dramatic child. Right. And so it's really hard because I'm trying, I'm always trying to walk that line between validating her, but also not like being like, okay, I don't think we need to be crying for three hours like right now about like you stubbing your toe or leaving shoes behind on the walk. Like, you know, and it'll go on for hours. And so, so, but it is, I think I've seen a difference. I mean, since they were really young, I've always labeled their feelings and asked them, what does it feel like? What does your mad feel like? How big is your mad? And it's really, really impressive. And I don't say that only because they're my kids, but now they reflect those words back to me all the time. Like, I think I was stopped in the grocery store the one time because the woman heard my one daughter face say, mommy, I'm getting very frustrated. And I think she was like two and a half years old. And the woman was like, I don't think I've ever heard a two-year-old or a kid that young use the word frustrated. I'm like, oh yeah, because well, I tell her I'm getting frustrated with her all the time. But, um, but you know, we had, we've used a lot of emotion labeling language really early on and I think it goes as simple as that is that when you see your child having an emotion don't dismiss it and ignore it wow what's going on there it looks like something's happening here I'd be angry too and then like you said realizing you don't have to fix it right you don't have to 
fix that for them all the time. And that's, it's an interesting dynamic between, you know, moms and children, especially is because our children's pain or anger or distress causes us distress. And then we act in ways to mitigate their emotions, not realizing that we're actually kind of hindering them from developing their own emotional regulation skills, right? Because we soothe and we, which is good from a very young age, obviously. But once they start to emotionally regulate, we have to give them the space to do that. And that's very uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That was a really good conversation and we could probably talk about that forever, but I know we have so many other important things. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, We spoke a bit before about energy and um, specifically sacred feminine energy. So talk to me a little bit about what that looks like. You know, there's probably listeners to the podcast who have no idea what we're talking about. And so if you could fill us in on what that looks like and how you work with sacred feminine energy in life and business with your clients. Yeah, sure. And I just want to say if there is anyone who's listening who doesn't know, like, don't worry. There was a time too when I had no idea. People talk about the divine feminine. I'm like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So (laughs) maybe now is just the right time to learn. Um, So the way I like to think about it is I like to think about our higher power, God, if you call God or universe, whoever, is really a duality, has both feminine and masculine energy in it. And again, coming back to like our current world, our society, For thousands of years now, the feminine energy has been suppressed. So now feminine energy is nurturing. It's intuitive. It's very flowy. It's receiving. It's receptive. You can almost think of it as as water, water of a river, whereas the masculine is structural. And you can think of it as the banks of the river. And, and, and masculine is very linear and straight and, and driven strength and structure, um, focus, analytics, the logic, whereas the feminine is, you know, the flow, the, you know, we're very cyclical. We're, we're a little bit more all over the place. You know, sometimes we're really happy and outgoing and other weeks of the month, we're don't want to see anyone. (laughs) Nobody wants to see us. Right. So, um, it's, and what, what I've seen happening is both in women and men, um, sorry, that the feminine is being suppressed, right? And all of us have aspects of both. So some of us will have more feminine energies and some of us will have more masculine energies. And that's not necessarily related to your biological sex. However, society has made it you know, not really okay to be intuitive. If you think about, you know, movies and TV, mostly they present people who are intuitive or psychics as frauds or, you know, just out to get your money and it's all fake, you know, kindness, nurturing, you know, um, careers with, you know, where we're, you know, taking care of um, our seniors or we are nurses or they're not paid the same as, you know, careers that are very driven and going to get money every time, you know, the more masculine careers. And so as women joined the workforce, they let go a lot of their own feminine energy because they needed to fit in into this masculine workforce that was created by men for men before women were working, you know, were out of the home working. We've always been working, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Before we were working like in places that they actually call work when 
everything that we do is work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So women had to try to fit into this more masculine way. And even uh, many women have, we've now repressed those, those qualities that are the feminine. And what I have found specifically in business is when you can start to bring some of that back in, it makes business easier because as women, we're not designed to work the same way men do. Right. But you know, even here in this coaching industry, right. A lot of the marketing strategies, a lot of the sales strategies, it's all very masculine because it was the men who were doing it first. And now we're trying to learn how they're doing it and from them, but we're not necessarily learning the things that are going to serve us the best. So when you can start to bring in, you know, intuition or nurturing, you know, or even just your own feeling, but bringing in that emotional empowerment, you know, sensitivity, surrender, it can make business, it does make business so much easier and so much more enjoyable, right? If you, let's say the way I like to look, I like to look at it as both. I really think it's important to have a balance of both. So you can use your intuition to think like, what's the next offer? What is, what is my, what do my people need right now? You know, and let that come through. You get this inspiration. You're like, this is exactly what they need. I'm so excited. Then you go and bring some of the masculine structures in. Okay, maybe I'm going to create a funnel around this or, you know what I mean? I'm going to do the live streams and I'm going to call the people, you know, then you bring in the masculine to support the feminine energy. You just told me that I am essentially missing a lot of feminine energy in my business is what I've just realized. Like you're talking about like the masculine energy and I'm like, that is me and that is me and that is me. <laughs> like my career, like literally everything. I'm so organized and regimented and everything's on the calendar and, and all that sort of thing. And I agree with you. It's, I think one, because I've been conditioned to into my career, but two, um, because there is kind of a lot of like negativity that has been kind of cast on to this this concept of you know being in flow or creativity or intuition and it feels a little bit like hokey and I mean I don't think I've ever had a podcast guest on who when we start to talk about energy you know sometimes they ask well how woo woo are we right like it's like a bad thing to be like should we be woo woo or should we not be woo woo I'm like be woo woo like have at her right because that's really like embracing that whole side of the feminine energy and that it's again going back to the social conditioning is just that we have picked up the perception that it's not as valuable as the masculine systems and structures and strategy and and all that kind of like planning and execution stuff that's important and like you said super valuable but I do think it's so so important to have it in balance um I wish there was like a scale here comes my masculine energy I wish there was like a quiz or a test I could take to be like how much feminine energy do I have in my business so you know like that's like the epitome of like the masculine energy coming out how do I quantify this and what are the steps exactly to <laughs> Tani's like gonna have a field day with me <laughs> the feminine would say you don't need to know allow yourself to be in the mystery because that's a huge part of the feminine too is allowing it's like the feminine is playful and curious, you know, like curious and doesn't really necessarily give us direct answers. Sometimes you have to like follow, it's like a little scavenger hunt. You get a little hint over here and you're like, Ooh, okay, well, I think I should do this from this hint. And then you do that and then you're like, Ooh, you get another piece in here. So it is definitely practice to start really living in the feminine energy when you've been mostly in masculine energy for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any particular kind of like, listen to me, I'm already like, so what do I add on my to do list? Um, are there any particular like, you know, exercises you reference meditation? I love meditation. I do, you know, um, 
some different ty types of prayers. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. Um, but what are some of the, um, you know, maybe strategies <laughs> um, or, or <laughs> exercises maybe that you provide your clients to help them kind of tap back into that feminine energy? Yeah. So play, play with your children. Like when was the last time you're like, it's painful. No. <laughs> Pardon? It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's like, you know, oh, girl, you're lost cause. You're lost cause. <laughs> you know what is fun to play as an adult, or at least for me, it's been fun to play with the kids, is tag. If yeah. you're running around and you play tag, sooner or later, the two of you are going to, like, or however many there are, you will be laughing so hard. That's a really easy one for me to play tag. Because you can kind of just start by just kind of touching them because your arms are longer, right? And then they get a little <laughs> So um, tag is a really good starter one yeah. as with like board games or something where you're focused. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember how. They're three and a half. And, and don't oh, get me wrong. Good. I play with them a lot, but it's just like the, the action of playing with them is like painful because I'm instantly like, oh, this is such productive time. I could be using somewhere else, which is terrible. But I always am honest with my audience and they get, they hear all the thoughts that happen up here so that they know that they're not alone when they have thoughts that playing with their yeah. children is painful sometimes, you know, or if you want to be doing something else, that's okay too. But yeah, no, we were dancing in the living room today and we, you know, we, we do play and stuff, but that's a really good one. I don't think about it like that. So that's a good idea. And that's a perfect example of, con of masculine conditioning, right? It's not okay to take time off. It's not okay to play. That's not an effective use of your time. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is a huge thing that I tell my clients to do. Do nothing. Carly, pick one day and you do <laughs> nothing. No chores, no work, no medicine. You just exist for the pleasure of that day. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Like, are you like, oh my God. <laughs> I, like, I was. <laughs> I'm thinking so I'm thinking forward to my next well because we're here in the Northwest Territories for three months and uh and talk to me about masculine schedules like I'm literally scheduled seven days this week so I mean this might not be the day but you know yeah. I, I, in in retrospect though like on what day was it Saturday I had a day off it was going to be the last kind of day off that we had that I had in probably two weeks and I normally don't work this much it's just that I'm up here and they need a lot of help but yeah. and we went to the beach and I just relaxed and I just, you know, played with my kids in the sand. And that was really fantastic. And it felt so good. And I even said to my husband, like, I can't remember the last time I just sat under an umbrella and listened to music and, you know, like flip through a magazine. Like I haven't done that in forever, honestly, just like being lazy and not lazy. See, even that's masculine conditioning. Cause then it's assuming it's like a bad thing. There's something wrong with it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And how did you feel after? Probably so good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really relieved. I mean, we all got tired by the end of the beach day, but yeah, no, we, we had a really good time and it felt, I felt a new sense of, um, yeah, just assuredness and, you know, feeling very calm and settled and, and ready to take on this big new adventure that we, we started and I was quite nervous about. So no, it, it was really good. And it's, I think you're, you're divinely placed in my podcast right now to help me shift a bit here. Yeah. So, so talking you said, talking about playing, doing like nothing, trying to, so what about like this intuition? So talk to me about, cause I, I'm a huge believer, not believer. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in your intuition. And I, I really try to listen in and trust my intuition. But for a lot of women, that's very, um, it's very nebulous to them, right? They have all this like cacophony of external voices and do this, do that, should be, shouldn't, um, that it's really hard to tap into that. So talk to me a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So it takes practice. And again, having that awareness, same thing as we talked about before, this has been conditioned. You've been told that you don't have it, that you're, you know, it's you're the people that say they're psychic are lying, right? Like we've been conditioned this way. So first of all, I believe everyone is intuitive. I think that it is a sense that we have just like our five senses, but it was left out. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. So if you can start to believe mindset, number one, I am already intuitive. I just need to remember how to do it. That's going to help massively. Um, number two, take some, like get a little journal, a little intuitive journal and start just noticing. So you're going to use mindfulness here. You're going to start noticing what am I thinking about? What am I feeling? Notice if you're at a stop sign and you have a feeling to turn left when you normally turn right, right? Maybe you'll still turn right, but just notice, oh, did you run right into a, um, traffic jam, right? Like maybe your intuition was trying to guide you around. Start noticing when you have these urges maybe all of a sudden you're just like i need to go to the bookstore why i don't like i've got books i haven't read still why would i need to go to the bookstore you know mm -hmm. just go just start following it as much as you possibly can any nudges any hits any gut instincts just go and do it and notice what happens and the more that you do it the more you'll notice you know those nudges and you'll be able to follow and you can and you can keep track of like did this work out or did this not work out because it is tricky because we do hear our thoughts and in mm -hmm. the way that i see it is that we have our ego thoughts and we have our soul thoughts and our soul thoughts are coming from are going to be our intuition and our ego thoughts are i say this are human thoughts which we're normal we're used to um and a, a great way to tell the difference between these two is intuition is usually quieter it's almost always the first thought that you'll have it's quieter there's rarely a laundry list of reasons of why it's more just a gentle go do this mm -hmm. say this whereas the ego is almost always second it's louder and there is a huge laundry list what? You're going to do that? Oh my gosh. What if people laugh at you? What if they think you're crazy? What if no one cares? Don't do that. Right? So mm -hmm. if, if in my experience so far that when I can tune in and is this, is this voice coming from love? It's almost always my soul. And is this voice coming from fear? It has never been right intuitively yet. <laughs> mm -hmm. But even it's if, super helpful. Yeah. I was going to say, even sometimes people worry about like having kind of like a negative intuitive sense. It's, it's always just calm and like your soul knows everything's going to be okay. So there's mm -hmm. never worry or upset or if that is there, then it's your ego. And it's often, I would say like, and you would hope, maybe agree with me is that it's like learning to listen and pay attention and then actually taking that brave step forward to trust it and go for it. And I think that that is two distinctly separate processes that take a lot of practice to get right. And it's not until you start trusting those intuitive nudges that you develop better, like deeper trust in your own intuition. Right. And I, um, I remember I used to, I was coaching a gal one time and, and she always had this image to be like, I knew I didn't want to do that. Right. I knew I didn't want to go and do this. I knew this wasn't right for me. I knew. And that's where it comes from. It's that sense of like, God, I knew this. Right. And often we're looking back in retrospect and being like, I knew that wasn't going to work. Why did I do that anyways? And I feel like those are really valuable learning moments for us, not to, you know, come from a place of shame or guilt and to say like, oh, you were dumb. You didn't listen. But to be like, hey, next time I feel that feeling of I knew this to actually trust it 
and see what happens and see if things work out the other way. But it takes a lot of courage to do that because often that ego voice is what's been super strong, super loud, and we're really good at listening to it. I, I even... Yeah. I tend to think I use, um, and, and this might freak some of my patients out, but I really tend to think I use a lot of my intuition in medicine. And I think that's what helps me connect with a lot of my patients a lot. But even yesterday, like, or last night I was on call um, and, and I had a patient and, and this, it seemed like a pretty straightforward case. And there was just something like in the back of my mind or I guess my gut that was just something wasn't right something wasn't right. And I was really, you know, trying to follow kind of, you know, the medical guidelines of all the different things. And it looked fine. And everything looked totally fine. But I just had this deep sense of like, no, this isn't quite right. And I really trusted that that was my intuition at that time, even because then I ended up doing some extra imaging on this guy and found out that he had this massive thing that probably would have killed him because he was literally a Coast Guard going up to Tuk 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 today. So he ended up having to go off and, and go up to another center to see a specialist. But it wasn't that there was like some sort of, you know, medical, you know, thing that showed up that told me that there was that deep gut feeling. So I feel like even in those really masculine spaces where where you might be taught to really listen to your head is that the intuition is there as well. And I trust, I trust that quite a bit, which maybe again is conditioned to look like a bad thing in, in medicine, in my profession, when really, if you think back, that's just because we've colored all like the healers and, and, you know, like wise women and all that with negative paintbrushes before. Right. And so we've, we've abandoned that too. We've abandoned that deep inner knowing of whether somebody is right or good or healthy. You know what I mean? Like those sorts of feelings that this is, there's something else here. So just kind of, as you were talking about it, I was kind of reflecting on that and thinking, wow, that's exactly an opportunity that, you know, I used my intuition and it really worked out. I think that's a perfect example because if you think back to like medicine at the very beginning, what did those people have to go on? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like at the, the very first doctors, they weren't being trained. They were probably mostly going on their intuition. Mm-hmm. And what I've heard is that, you know, way back yogis and Buddhists, they were able to map out all of the meridians in Chinese medicine, all of the meridians, which now they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Use an acupuncture and, you know, the, they, they were able to do that all through their intuition. Yeah. So I love your example. And you're absolutely hundred percent correct in when you notice I knew that knowing that knowing is your intuition mm-hmm. and so you can you can start to say how did I feel when I knew how did I know was it a thought was it a, a gut feeling did I feel it in my body you know mm-hmm. did I hear some words did I see a vision right because these are all different kinds of intuitives that you can be well we all have it but different types of intuitive um styles mm-hmm. and so that's going to help you learn how to go forward and you talked about you know starting to listen i highly recommend meditation for that that's giving you the space and the, the, the silence for any sort of intuitive messages to come in if we're always busy it's so much harder to identify when that might be my my soul trying to speak to me Mm-hmm. And another great exercise that you can do is you can start with really small questions and ask, right? So maybe you say, what should I have for dinner tonight? Should I have chicken or should I have beef? Right? And then feel into your body. Just ask one question first. So, so should I have chicken for dinner? Feel in. Do you get a yes or a no? Should I have beef? Feel in. Do you get a yes or a no? 
Should I have salad? You know what I mean? You can keep asking. You can do that for breakfast. You can do that all day long. Should I wear this shirt or this shirt? You know, should I drive this way to work or this way to work? And that's another great way to start practicing um, and following it. Mm-hmm. But I have a great story about, I had this intuitive nudge to go to a bookstore. And my ego was saying, you have all the books. You do not need to spend any more money on books or crystals. And I felt, yeah, but my intuition's <laughs> telling me to go there. <laughs> right? My intuition's telling me to go there. So I went. Um, I thought maybe I'm supposed to get like some sort of reading because I knew they had readings at this bookstore. He was booked, so that didn't work out. But I literally found my, I knew I should go to the witch and Wiccan area and I couldn't find it because that wasn't normally my area and it was like so strange and finally I was like hey, I give up I don't know and guess what my body just put me right in front of this book called witch <laughs> which you know is interesting because I really feel that witches were female doctors that got mm-hmm. you know yeah. smeared totally. but finding this book led me on this whole journey to go to Spain um to have a workshop with the author of the book and right after I booked I took my inspired action and booked my flight four days later I found out that I was getting a check that covered the whole thing oh my goodness so I basically followed my intuition and the universe supported me sorry supported me by manifesting what I needed to have to be able to go on this trip Unreal. I just got shivers when you said that. I was like, it was awesome. That's so amazing. And I think that's an experience that so many women like, like, you know, listen to podcasts or you read books and you're like, wow, you know, like that could never happen to me. But like those sorts of things can happen, right? And do happen, right? Where if you're just leaning in and you're just trusting and you're hoping it's going to work out and you're putting that, that kind of really trust, 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 trust that you're doing the right thing, right? Because I I mean, a lot of what the work I do with women with anxiety is that it's this constant second guessing of their inner truth. And that's what I always say to them. Like my anxiety, when it was very severe, it was because I was ignoring my inside, right? I was Mm -hmm. ignoring my truth. I was ignoring, I was not listening to what I knew deep down inside and my anxiety flared up, right? And, and I see that a lot in women. It's like when they come to me and they're so anxious, I'm like, hey, what are you not listening to inside, right? What are you not attending to that's important to you? You know, are you not, you know, following that dream? Are you not listening to that intuition? Are you not leaving that toxic marriage? Are you not, like, what's going on there? Because instead of what we do is when women get anxiety, we think it's terrible or bad and it's going to take over our lives and we force it down. And then it bubbles up and then we force it down and over and over again, instead of looking in and being like, you know, what is this? what is this? Right. And it's this, this constant like lack of trust in our own truth that, that our anxiety is trying to remind us of, but that is an amazing story. That was a bit of a tangent, but it just brought me, it just reminded me of that kind of little. Well, and, and you can imagine how much courage I needed to have to my husband, honey, I need to fly to Europe. I need to go to Spain by myself and I don't know why I just need to go because my intuition tells me to. Yeah. Right. And how did he respond to that? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'll tell you like when I first, like I literally was looking at my screen and it was pulling me, it told me it was pulling me through the computer screen. I was like, okay, I have to, I have to go. I'm like, maybe I have enough air miles. I check, I have enough air miles. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
I, I said to myself, if I have enough air miles, it'll be a sign that I need to go. So it was another universal sign. I had enough air miles. I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. He wasn't home. He came home and he was so grouchy. I was like, not today. <laughs> so it took me probably about four or five days to even bring it up. The first the first time I brought it up, he was like, but I want to go to Spain too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I felt really bad and he, he didn't really like it. And then I brought it up again and I'm really lucky. He's very supportive and he trusts my intuition. So he said, finally, he's like, okay, if, if this is, if you need to do this, I trust you. I trust your intuition. Go, we'll make it work. So he was amazing. And you know what? It paid off for him. What I went and learned there that I didn't know I was going to learn was, was so important in our relationship and in our marriage. It improved dramatically when I came home. So it paid wow. off for him to trust my intuition too. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's so awesome. That's such a cool story. And and I'm really, really happy we were able to connect to do this interview because I think it was, like I said, honestly, exactly what I needed to hear right now. Because I'm in such this, you know, go, 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 work, work, work kind of mode right now. And I think, I mean, that's part of really, I think, why my business exists is because it was, it's my inner insides clutching at creativity and trying to pull me into, you know, a deeper helping space, because I think that's why I went into medicine was to help and heal. And I think that although I do a lot of that, I hope in my job, it's not quite on the depth that I was craving, right? And that I wanted to help women on a deeper, more long-term level where I could really get down into some of like the, the deeper core issues and things. Um, and I think that that's probably why my business exists is because this is how I connect with other women. This is how I, you know, you know, meet amazing other inspiring entrepreneurs and how I learn so much. And then I'm, how I'm creative and I express myself. And, um, and I just love how, I love how you share your message. It's just really fantastic. You're like a big warm hug. It's like, I feel like I can feel your energy from here. <laughs> That's what a lot of my clients say. They're just like, I just, I don't know why I need to work with you, but I just love your energy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So Tani, talk to us a little bit about how do you work with women? Um, and, you know, I think you do private coaching, but talk to me a little bit about different types of programs that you offer, just in case any of our listeners want to check you out. And then this will all be, of course, included in the show notes, but let us know where we can find you on social and website and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, I have a couple programs. So I have one that's Awaken Your Intuition. Um, I'll probably be launching that again soon. But I do really follow my feminine, you know, my divine feminine. So I kind of wait for her to tell me that it's time. Um, I also have one called Awaken Your Abundance. And that's all about manifesting, really tapping into the energy, your emotions, raising your vibration so that you can attract more positivity, more abundance into your life. Um, and then I have a new one that's kind of in the works called Awaken Your Divine Design. And I had this will be the first time, so I haven't run this one before, but I'm really excited about it because it's really helping women to tap into their inner divinity, their purpose, and their unique gifts so they feel confident in sharing those with the world. They can build a business and niche around they, who they really are, their divine design. So that's how they were designed at birth. And that's that same design that's going to be there when they pass away again and go back to the universe. Um, so those are the three group programs. I do do one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's what I'm focusing on right now. I absolutely love to help, you know, busy driven women cope with any sort of personal issues that are getting in the way of their business. Right. So really helping them to step into their confidence, feel comfortable getting visible, um, overcoming any sort of like 
parental issues, relationship issues, children issues, even anything that's personal and emotional, and those emotions are holding you back, I can guide you through that. Um, so that's what I really base my one-on-one -on -one coaching. And um, you can find me on Facebook at Tani Morgan Mentoring is my biz page. I have a Facebook group called the High Vibe and Empowered Entrepreneurs with Tani Morgan. And I'm at Tani Morgan on Instagram. So those, I am on Twitter too, but I don't really post there. It's the same handle at Tani Morgan. So pretty much use my name, find me. I'm, I'm around. <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, Tani, this was so wonderful. And I know, I think it's a bit late because I think your time zone is later than mine, but thank you so much for being on Mind Over Motherhood. For those of you who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over Motherhood podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get updated each week when a new episode is released. Have comments or questions about this episode? Reach out to me on either Instagram or Facebook at Carly Crew or through my website at carlycrew.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with someone you love or snap a screenshot and share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can say hello. As always, remember, you're meant for more mama and there's nothing wrong with that.